Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay and alongside me for one last trip up the M6 this season, it's Lindsay Hooper. A trip nowhere, Kate. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I've finished, I've done my bit. The final day of the season has been and gone. That is it. I'm staying put. And your back is showing the signs of it, so I can tell you. Uh, Let's welcome in, as ever, Sky Sports News anchor and mega mama, Hayley McQueen. Happy end of season pod, Hayley. Oh, I know. I'm feeling a bit sad about this. It's like I've been desperate for the season end and now I'm like, I'm not ready. The season's ended, so thank God for the Euros. Woo woo, bring it on. There was (laughs) such a small amount of time, wasn't there, between us finishing last season and starting this season. It really does feel like we've been doing them all the way since, well, it feels like we've been doing a couple of seasons worth. So I'll definitely miss you girls on a Thursday as we record these. It is um, it is one of the highlights of my week and it's just nice to catch up with footballing friends as well. Yeah, it's lovely. And what we'll have to do is meet up in other capacities instead. Yes. Like inside a restaurant. Mm. Oh, how exciting. Cold how exciting. Mind. And talking of exciting things, we have got an exciting end of the season to sort of wrap up. We're going to take it in different directions just to keep you enticed throughout the whole show. So it's been a season of up and downs, hasn't it? Um, surprise results, amazing performances, no crowds, all sorts of things to reflect on. And of course, kind of a whole host of managerial departures too. Linz, we should mention what an emotional end of season game it was for you covering Wolves. Yeah, I've done pretty much most of their home matches this season and I was not expecting the final one at home to Manchester United to be Nuno's last. Um, It was emotional. Um, I feel it would have been more fitting had it been the full stadium, but at least we did have some fans back. Um, Quite a few thousand gathered 
just to welcome the team bus in with Nuno. I mean, there were chants. I mean, if people have, have got Instagram, you can go on there and see. I've saved quite a lot of the, the story from that day. But there were flares going off, fireworks, songs of we want you to stay, we want you to stay. And it just started. That's how the afternoon started. And honestly, it didn't stop in terms of pulling on the heartstrings from that moment onwards because you've got the players running out for the first time back in front of fans. You've got the huddle with the players at the end. You know, they did the lap of honour as well where Nuno was going and greeting all the fans in all corners of the ground before coming over. And I I actually managed to do the final interview with him. Um, and it, it was just nice as well from my point of view on behalf of a lot of Wolves fans that I know to thank him for what he'd done for the city as well because more far-reaching than anything that he's done in football. And he did a lot. He did a lot for us. He he donated a huge chunk of his own money um, to help feed impoverished uh, families around Wolverhampton. And he will make a lasting difference in that regard for many, many years. I mean, I have to thank him on behalf of everyone in the city for, for that generosity. And it's fed down throughout the club, his staff, Connor Cody, for instance, and it will continue for many, many years to come. Mm. As a Wolves fan, as a celebrity Wolves fan, there you go, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Just going to put it out there. Can you understand the decision for him to go? I mean, of course, it has left a lot of fans. It is one of those decisions where, you know, fans are fans are incredibly upset about it, aren't they? Yeah. I think it's fair to say. And I'm having to read in between the lines a lot with this. You know, people would think we do have connections at the club and I do have intel at the club, but... I've nothing's really been given away. There were a few things that have been hinted at that, you know, I got the impression and I felt like I was given the impression that this was more of a Wolves decision than a Nuno decision. Now, when I first heard the news, I think everyone's mind was racing at that point when there was the Spurs vacancy that, you know, maybe this is something that had been decided many, many weeks ago, many months ago. And you'd seen um, something at Spurs, hadn't you, as well? Yeah, I'd seen um, that that was probably me be, being paranoid to it. But um, I felt in the warm up and I watch Wolves warming up a lot. But the Wolves staff, the coaching staff, all had their backs turned to Wolves and were just fist pumping Spurs players coming out and watching their warm up. And I just thought, oh, <laughs> a bit, yeah, this is a bit concerning. Yeah, I should be worried about this. I mean, in hindsight, it might have just been a thing that they were doing that day um, that had no particular bearing or relevance. But I I honestly think that the story that came out in The Athletic from Tim Spears saying that, um, that it could have happened in January after we were beaten by West Bromwich Albion, um, that he might have gone then, um, I just find incredible. I find very... Very impatient, very short-sighted in a year yeah, that's been terrible for legacy. so many people. Such an exciting day for the end of the Premier League season as well. And, you know, Leicester, poor Leicester, having spent, of those contenders uh, for position three and four, having spent the most time in the top four throughout the season and then to miss out. Of course, Spurs were out anyway. Arsenal get nothing. And Liverpool, you know, Liverpool sneaking into the top four there. And as a Liverpool fan, I am quite happy to say... <laughs> But that was incredibly jammy. Fair play to City and to Manchester United, Hayley. You know, if we move on to your celebrity fan status, a great achievement to finish second. Perhaps a little bit soured by what happened in the Europa League final? Yeah, very much so. I was beyond thrilled that Manchester United had 
ended brilliantly because they had a much improved season. It kind of improved as the months went on. Towards the beginning of the season, everything was just looking a little bit doom and gloom. You wondered how long Ollie was going to be in the job, if United were going to find their way, if they were even going to finish in the top 10. But by January... I mean, they were actually in a title race. Um, they briefly led the Premier League as well. Obviously, it didn't last. Um, but yes, yeah, Solskjaer kept it together pretty well. They ended second. The eye, the trophy that he's got his eye on, of course, is the one that's going to be contested uh, at the weekend. We know the Champions League final. Winning the Europa League final should have been a given against Villarreal. No offence to Villarreal. But if you're Manchester United, you're finishing second in the Premier League with the players that they had they should have been winning that trophy. So I think they, um, they've they still got a long way to go. Um, they will be playing Champions League football next season. And let's maybe try and aim for the, for the Champions League and going as far as we possibly can. But it was such an exciting end to the season with that race for the top four. And I was thinking at one stage, oh, Leicester are going to do it. Leicester are going to do it. Oh my gosh, what an achievement for Brendan Rodgers. And you're kind of thinking in your head, oh, now who's up for manager of, of the year? You're like, oh, kind of all along. Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola, that it's like, oh, you can't discount Brendan Rodgers. Then you're kind of seeing what West Ham might do with David Moyes as well. And then Liverpool, just lucky, lucky Liverpool. Hey, Kate, just making sure <laughs> that they have Champions League football next season. I'm not Real sure shame what that sort of says about I, I, I sort of feel like we've done a bit of an Arsenal there. Um, not this season, obviously, Arsenal, uh, nothing at all. But I sort of feel like we've been a bit jammy there. But there we go. Lots to build on for everyone next season. Should we move on to topic one, though? We're going to take our focus away uh, from the Premier League and talk about the Euros. Okay, so we're going to look at the Euros and the focus will be on wild cards. Gareth Southgate's picked his provisional squad for the tournament, 33-man selection. It's got to be cut to 26 on the 1st of June. But let's have a little look at some of the more surprising or unexpected names that you think he should stick with. Seven players have got to go, but which wild cards do you think he should keep? Lindsay, I'm going to start with you on this one. As soon as the 33-man squad was announced, already you started hearing about the seven players that possibly could be admitted come that 1st of June deadline. And one of the players' names that really surprised me, how many people were saying it, pundits, uh, people still working in football right now associated with England, all the way through to fans and people just giving comments on social media. They were saying Kieran Trippier. Now, to me, Kieran Trippier has to be in this team. The thing that we know about Gareth Southgate or we supposedly know from what he told us when he was appointed, is that he's going to always choose teams based on form and based on fitness. And Kieran Trippier has won the La Liga title in Spain with Atletico Madrid. I also heard quite a few journalists out in Spain being interviewed about that when that feat happened. And they were paying so much credit to Kieran Trippier. And he was injured for a little amount of time during the season and said he was such a miss when he was not in the Atletico Madrid side. He's already proven himself at England tournaments, the fact that he can deliver. And I know that right-back role is fiercely contested, well, yeah, I'm sure. It's got a wealth of riches and that's, and that's probably part of why people have been having that conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. And I and I think it would be very, very harsh on Alexander-Arnold for, for what he can offer not to go. But if you've got to get four into three, I think you take Trippier over Rhys James. I honestly do. And I don't think that we should be the sort of nation 
um, or, or the sort of England football fans that really turn off to what is happening with our players who are playing outside of England. Um, just because we don't know about it or we haven't watched him week in, week out necessarily, um, shouldn't underplay how crucial he's been. He's been linked with Manchester United right now. He's got two years left on his contract at Atletico and they already want to tie him down with a new deal. That is how crucial and valuable he is to that team. So I'm going to go all out for Kieran Trippier and say that he should stay. He is my wild card, even though I don't think he <laughs> should be anybody's wild card. I'm going to just butt in here, actually, because mine closely links to yours. And I've gone for Reese James as the player who should It's not go. like us to butt heads, Kate, oh, and go for well, opposite. there you go. But it is, it is difficult, this one. And I would maybe agree with you on Trippier and say perhaps it's more of a competition between Alexander-Arnold and between Reese James if you're looking at who makes the final cut. Um, I don't deny Trippier's had a had a wonderful season um, out in Spain. I think Kyle Walker is an option that you'd go with because he can play at right yeah, back centre-back. Yeah. And his I mean, pace he has to, Aaron, I think. Aaron, Aaron Wan-Bissaka hasn't even made the final at 33, has he? So let's look at Reese James. And I think... A huge amount of this conversation really has to be based around whether whether Harry Maguire goes or not and whether Gareth Southgate takes a partially because he can risk taking, you know, at least one partially fit player. And with Harry Maguire's exceptional talent, and he is exceptional, I think you've, you know, if there's any hint that he might be fit, he goes. And so then you look at the players who perhaps initially you'll go with three at the back rather than four at the back if you're missing Harry Harry Maguire initially. The problem is with what you've said, though, is that there's not just one player that is in this team at the minute that's got an injury question mark next to their name. There's Calvin Phillips, there's Jack Grealish, there's Jordan Henderson. Yes, but of all those players, and I know it's tough with Jordan Henderson as well, but, but, but when you look at those injury concerns, surely... After the season that he's had before his injury, Harry Maguire has to be. He's so intrinsic, really, to that. I would say you only take a gamble on one of those names. Okay, well, regardless of who it is, I think Harry Maguire is going to be in Southgate's thoughts and his selection. He's got, you know, this kind of wealth of options. And what I like about Rhys James is that he, you know, he's right back. He can do right wing back, right centre back as well. I just think he's got the versatility around him, a bit like Carl Walker. He's got something about him that will mean that if Gareth Southgate needs to needs to flex that back line a little bit in order to accommodate Harry Maguire or not, for me, Rhys James would be the player who you would take, probably rather than Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think, at this stage. It's, 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 it is a really, really tough one. It's a really tough one, but I've taken a bit of a punt on him. Hayley. I've gone completely wild card because I think this is a name that um, we wouldn't expect in the 26, but for the 33, he's going to have a great experience. And I just think we love these kinds of stories. Okay. It's Ben White from Brighton. Um, He has established himself as a key centre-back. And I think a little bit like you were discussing there with James, this is a kid who is very versatile. Okay, when I mentioned the story, he was released by Southampton as a teenager, came through the lower league loan spells. He then helped Leeds United clinch promotion from the championship and now established himself in the Premier League. He's actually, though, one of six centre-backs in the provisional England squad. You know, he's going to be competing with, you look at Ben Godfrey, Connor Cody, obviously Maguire, Stones, Tyrone Mings as well. But I think he is very, 
very attractive as Southgate because he is so versatile. He plays mainly on the right side of a back three. Now, this is key, a back three. So he's also been used in a back four, right back as a defensive midfielder. But if Gareth Southgate was to go for a back three, potentially he would use him as cover. He's not going to get in the starting 11. Look, he's probably not going to get into the 26. However, for a player that's never played for England at any level, I just think, why not take him along for the experience? He's one for the future. Um, there are lots of other uncapped players as well. I think this is what we love to see from a tournament. Sam Johnson's in there. Um, Sheffield United's Aaron Ramsdale. They were both relegated from mm, the Premier God League. Free as give, well. them, give them a real boost, wouldn't it? You know, after suffering this season and being relegated. And I just think it's a, it's a really exciting squad bursting with a lot of young um, talent. You've got the teenagers in there, Jude Bellingham, Bukayo Saka, Mason Greenwood. I just think um, it's going to be really exciting to kind of see a few of these players who will be the future for England. And 18, interestingly, of the 33 cap players have won fewer than 10 caps. I'm just throwing Ben White in there just as an absolute wild card because... It would be wild if they, if they took him. But why not? Why not? You get the impression, though, with Ben White, that he would just be thrilled to be named in this 33-man squad, right? And that actually it won't devastate him not to go. It's a massive compliment. And that he'd he'd sort of understand if he didn't go. I know that that's not why Gareth Southgate shouldn't pick him. But I think it would be OK with him if we didn't go. <laughs> Do you think there are more question marks after the performance in the Europa League final and also the, the performances towards the end of the season for Marcus Rashford right now? See, I, I think there's a change there that could happen. I, I don't know. I don't think it can now because he's, he's named this provisional squad and the name that I would want in there isn't in it. And it's Danny Ings. But um, I know they're not a like for like replacement, but we seem to have so many options out wide. Your Sancho's, your Foden's, your Grealish. But... What we don't have, I think, is suitable backup for Harry Kane if anything Target was to men. happen to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I, I really think that Calvert-Lewin isn't clinical enough. I think he he's had a good season, he's shown improvement, but in these latter stages of tournaments, which we hope we get to, there are just fleeting chances and is he the striker that would bury them? And I would say I'm not sure that he 100% is. Is Danny Ings more of that sort of player? Yes, I think so. Or Patrick um, He doesn't Bamford, waste many. No, yeah. I think Patrick Bamford still wastes a lot of chances. He needs a lot okay. in order to score a lot. He's probably more wasteful than Calvert-Lewin. So I, I wouldn't bring that in the conversation. But I, I, I think in terms of clinical finishing and someone that, you know, if you were watching, you're like, I'm putting my money on the fact that he's going to score... The only person at the minute is Harry Kane in that central striking role. And Danny Ings is the next person I think of like that. He's still, I mean, Danny Ings still scored less goals per 90 minutes than Patrick Bamford or, Dom, or Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So I know he's scored some good goals. Yeah, that's because Southampton argue. haven't provided as many. If you look at the chances converted ratio, he would be much higher. And um, and Bamford, um, less so than Calvert-Lewin, but he, he just has to bury one in about five very, very good, solid chances. So. I've just looked it up and you're actually right. 27% in terms of goal conversion, uh, as opposed to 19% for Bamford and 22% for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So don't call you the stats queen for nothing, do they, eh? <laughs> well, that, um, was, that was quick typing by you. 
Well, yeah, I was just having a look at goals. Actually, I was, I was, I was having a little look at sort of target men and kind of how we how we fill that gap. But anyway, he's not there, so let's not lament over what we can't do anything about. Uh, Shall we move on, ladies? It's time for the end of season offside rule awards. Okay, so it's that time of year. Who doesn't like putting on a sparkly dress and or trouser suit even and uh, heading off to the nearest awards ceremony? Not many of them going on at the moment. I'm in sparkly leisure wear. I'm in a tracksuit. Oh, how on earth have you managed that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you been down to Juicy Couture and picked the latest Diamante offering off the uh, yeah. rails? A, a marketplace near me. <laughs> I want to know what you look like and all that sparkle. Um, So uh, not quite the same at home giving out these awards, is it? But we'll try our best. We're going to pick our offside rule team and manager of the season. It will be a combined 11. So we'll each pick a few players. Uh, We need this not to take us too long. So we'll we'll, we'll kind of whistle through it. Um, Are we going to try and fill every position or should we just keep it quite loose with 11 good players? One suggestion I had was the champions were Manchester City. And mm-hmm. I have four players from Manchester City that make my team of the year. Okay. Does anyone have oh. any advancements on that? Minor, minor, four, just minor, four Manchester I, City I players. A mix. Mm. I've picked a bit of a mix, actually. I certainly haven't gone with four players from the same team. Um, you're as you're as bad as the Team GB women's squad for the Olympics this summer. Was chosen well, hey, they the were champions. They Manchester were champions. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're choosing a team of the year and you've you've got the champions who've played played some spectacular football and they're in the Champions League final. I think we have to give a nod. So I, I'll leave you to argue it out between yourselves if you like. But the four that I've the four that I've put forward are and it's not going to be goalkeepers. So Ruben Diaz, yes, Gundawan, Gundawan, yeah. uh, Phil Foden and De Bruyne. And those are my four from this season that I think should be in the team of the year. Has anyone got a goalkeeper? Yeah, I've gone for Mendy. Ooh, Men, uh, yeah actually this is this is the debate so Kate might have to have casting vote because I think you're right I think it's between Mendy and I'm going for Emmy Martinez at Aston Villa who I think has been brilliant and kept so many clean sheets but if you're going for more of an attacking lineup, Kate, then Mendy provides you with the ability. Um, um, Duncan Alexander gave this this crazy stat about how he's the goalkeeper involved with most attacking plays um, oh, from really? this season. Okay. So, so yeah, so you've got your clean sheets versus your attacking minded goalkeeper. Uh, I think it's tough. I think I like Emilio Martinez better. Martinez, as uh, but I, I think because his influence goes beyond shot stopping doesn't it he's got he's could we argue he's got more of an all-round game possibly but Thomas Tuchel comes in their fortunes completely changed defensively at Chelsea and I think he was the reason behind that genuinely and look he he signed from Wren for just 22 million pounds which actually is nothing considering what he's achieved uh, this season so I think he's he's far surpassed what was expected of him that's just me just throwing that oh. out there. But yeah, do you know what? It's tough. Possibly. I'm, I'm happy with Martinez. either of those. Yeah. I, I am going to go Martinez. Um, 16 clean sheets. Uh, yes, uh, I am. And uh, I guess also transforming that team from being pretty leaky into one of the strongest defensively and actually allowing them to, to have that strength in the counter-attack building up from the back as well. So yeah, I'll go with him. Uh, let me just highlight him on my sheet so I know 
who we are going for. Okay, shall we have a look at defensive positions? Um, I've gone with Diaz too. Um, so many reasons why, Linz. I'm sure we've got some of the same reasons here. I think he's made John Stones a better player, hasn't he? He's transformed City's defence, his reading of the game. Uh, Man City conceding less than a goal a game since Diaz arrived. Um, as ably kept some of the best strikers in the Premier League at bay, that that kind of goes without starting. And, and also because he's 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 started the most Premier League games for City out of any outfield player. So I think he's reliable and, and I think he, he so fits into that mould, doesn't he, of being City's defensive leader. So he's for me. Who else have we got in defence that we've nominated? Well, I was going to ask Hayley. So I, from a Manchester United point of view, I was going to say it's been the season for Luke Shaw. In fact, in that Europa League final, he again was one of the standout players when everyone else, even Bruno Fernandes, was having a bad day at the office. He was just keeping it together. I think he's been so solid this year. So Luke Shaw would be in my defence. But then I guess you, you, alongside Ruben Diaz, would you go Harry Maguire when fit? Cancelo, do we do we look at him or Fafana maybe? For, I think we have to have a Leicester player in there and I think Fafana's been brilliant. Okay, so we're going to have to go three at the back because we've, we've already got a wealth of attacking players. We know that as well. So let's go Fafana. Um, okay, let's go to the midfield. Hayley. Okay, um, well, you could say that Foden is class more as a midfielder. Wide left is a position he's played for Pep. His actual performances there are just incredible. He's not just a great player. He's a great English player. He's exceptional. He's going to be um, a star of, of the future. We're going to see him playing in major tournaments. He's going to be just like Wayne Rooney. Um, to get into a Manchester City team, playing under Pep Guardiola, you've got to be something that little bit special. And I just think he's going to be so brilliant in years to come. He's already doing it now on the pitch, but I think he's got so many years to come and he's a really exciting English talent that I, I, I'm going to very much look forward um, to watching. I think the only thing that I will throw in with this very attack-minded um, team at the minute when we're looking at attackers is if you've got three at the back and given the season that they've had, I think from <laughs> we West Ham, you've got, you've got to have Declan Rice. You've got to have Declan Rice in oh, that midfield yeah, okay. to okay, to protect the back three. What about Gundogan though? You've chosen him, haven't you? Where have you put him? Yeah, he's one, been one of the players of the season, hasn't he? So I suppose if you had, I would maybe go Declan Rice... I'd be tempted to go Declan Rice, Gundogan, De Bruyne and Phil Foden or Hayley might be like, Bruno Fernandes has had a fantastic season. We're going to have to forget oh, De Bruyne so for this tough. year. You see, I put, I put Mason Mount in this mm. midfield as well, just because... But then you can have three more attacking up front. So you, you could actually promote Phil Foden as like a front three, couldn't you? So okay, this, depending this, this on is who... what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut Phil Foden and put him up front as one of our front three. Uh, we've So far, we've got Bruno Fernandes... Ilkay Gundogan and am I allowed to put Mason Mighton there? And yeah, then but got, I think we have. You can yeah, do what and you Declan like. Rice. Sure, sure. This pick. team might not might not make sense, everyone. Right, okay. Let's move on then. Uh, so we're saying three up front, aren't we? Phil Foden is one of them so far. Lindsay, Jack Grealish. I think so Foden, and, Foden and Grealish on either side and then Harry either, I, well, I think it must be Kane as the golden boot winner, but I understand that there's an argument that it, Son's it had a good season. Kane. Yeah, Son, but then oh, you'd have Son and Kane then, wouldn't you? But then it's too Tottenham heavy, isn't it? But who would you, well, it doesn't, I mean, it's perfectly fine. Lindsay's chosen it's Manchester City, City heavy. City <laughs> so it doesn't matter. 
Potter. I think you have to say Kane has got more direct goal involvements than any other player. Spurs have had a bad season, yet he's walked off with the golden boot and the top for assists as well. So I think I think you can't not go with Harry Kane um, and this sort of new position that he's been able to manufacture. This this he's your he's your evergreen you know super striker, isn't he? Really, no matter no matter what he does. So I ah, oh, it's really tough at, at the moment. We've got Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane. Do we stick or do we pass? I honestly think at times Grealish has, has been unplayable, but you could you could swap Grealish for Son, I suppose. I don't think what this do has been Son's stellar year. Oh, do you, I mean, it hasn't really, I suppose, but he's still had an amazing year. Um, okay, go with Grealish because then it keeps a nice mix of, of, of talent from different clubs, doesn't it? And really, I think okay. it's, it's Son and Kane. It's all about the partnership. You, look, He's played most of the season in a team which is very defensive. That's why I highlighted him because I think he's been outstanding considering Spurs have been a bit rubbish. Um, but if we're just going to pick the one, let's just pick Kane. Tottenham don't deserve to have two players in this 11, okay? For when All, they right. Finish the All right. Uh, now, uh, I think we should, because Hayley has foregone Son, I think she should probably get the vote on the manager of the season. I think it's 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 safe to to say that Pep Guardiola takes this. But what about the other close contenders? Yeah, I, I do think it has to go to Pep. Um, it really does. Um, I think it's a massive achievement yet again, not just with what he's achieved in the Premier League, but um, outside as well and, and other cup competitions and, and managing to just battle on so many fronts. But I think a lot of credit has to go to to Brendan Rodgers and as I'd mentioned earlier he might have actually been in with the shout of manager of the season had Leicester actually on that final day qualified for Champions League football I just think he's done brilliantly to balance the budget and the players at his disposal I think he's been really really clever um I think him and Sean Dyche are exceptional. I think what David Moyes has done at West Ham has been absolutely wonderful as well. I think you have to give them all a lot of credit. But for Leicester again, now Leicester, we know a few seasons ago, came out of complete nowhere and won the league. It was one of the most exciting Premier League seasons of my lifetime, of many people's lifetime of this generation. But to have still, you just think, oh, it's a one-off. They'll get relegated next season. They'll be down there in the bottom half of the table. They st- he still has key players from that title-winning season still playing like Vardy at the highest level. They still seem like a real unit. And you just think maybe that team spirit that was there all those, you know, the few seasons ago is still running through the team. They're still using that and they're, 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 they're working on it. And he doesn't have massive stars in his team and, and big names and standout players like any of the top six. But look at where they are and what he's done yeah, and fair play. going about things with that little bit of added pressure because you are expecting Leicester to do a little bit better because of winning the league a few seasons ago. So should we go with Pep and then Brendan Rodgers as a super Just sub? Just a multiple I'd, mention. Yeah, I'd... I'd looked at David Moyes and, and as you reference, no time to go into it here, but you know, really what he's done with that team. It's been a turnaround season. Uh, Fair play to him. Okay, so let's summarise then the offside rule team of the season. You can let us know if you agree, disagree or are outraged in general at offside rule pod. In goal, we've got Emiliano Martinez. At the back, we're going for a back three. Ruben Diaz, Luke Shaw, Wesley Fofana. These may not make complete sense positionally, but just bear with us. It's been hard enough trying to get to this point. Um, In midfield, Bruno Fernandes, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, Mason Mount, Declan Rice up front, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane. Pep Guardiola managing the team with an honourable mention for Brendan Rodgers. 
Good work, girls. I think we're there. Well, last weekend we had Eurovision. Uh, Now it's time for a European anthem of our own. We're going to assemble a band of musically gifted footballers, uh, all parts thereof, anyone associated with is welcome, uh, to create a new Euros song. So this needs to be kind of a multinationality song, uh, obviously preferably players um, from Europe or of European leaning if possible. Forget David Guetta, Nelly Furtado and Simply Red. This is going to be the real song of the Euros. And we'll try and hatch together a bit of sound sampling or producer flow will try and hatch together a bit of sound sampling. There's me sounding like a DJ. I know nothing of it. Uh, so shall we try and get this band going? It could be perhaps a performance at the opening ceremony, ladies. Um, who do you know in football who's musically gifted who should be part of our band? Hayley, let's go to you. So we have been sending little clips to each other via our WhatsApp group, which has been quite fun. Some of them we haven't managed to to, to look at yet. And a few of us have found the same players performing off the pitch, interestingly. Who would have thought Virgil van Dijk, the costliest defender in the world, absolutely multi-talented. Um, he sang to his teammates the 1998 R&B hit So Into You by Tamia. Um yeah, brought a little bit of uh, romance to the proceedings of players having to stand up and sort of there's lots of these initiation videos, aren't there as well, when players are having to stand up and sing a song or just celebratory videos. But he's absolutely loving it. He is loving performing. He's full of confidence as well. And who'd have thought a man with so much talent on the pitch would just have, it's you know, these people that just make you sick when they can just do everything. So Virgil van Dyke. I mean, as a talent all round, you definitely want him leading the line of your band, wouldn't you? Yeah, you absolutely would. Uh, talking of initiations quickly, as I was researching this, um, Paid to Check's obviously famous for his drumming. We'll move on to that in a second. But as part of his initiation to Arsenal in 2015, um, Uh, He, rather than sing a song, which is what they normally do, he decided to go round each of the tables in the club restaurant or whatever dining hall and basically make up freestyle raps about all his teammates. I don't have a sample. There wasn't a video made, but just just the thought pay to check. Uh, making up freestyle raps, going around all the different uh, different tables of Arsenal players. I think we need to move me. on from Petr Cech, though, now. I mean, he, he had his day, he had his time doing drums and stuff at Arsenal. Try and keeping it more current of who would be releasing a song this summer uh, that can combine with the Euros. Um, someone who's just about still in the Premier League, uh, William, is on drums. He is brilliant oh, at drums. In fact, drummers, isn't there? We we did a feature with him at Chelsea where we interviewed him whilst he was doing a, a drum tutorial. Um, oh. Really, really good fun. And he he's definitely got those Brazilian samba, you know, they just understand rhythm, don't they? You can just tell. Yeah, there are a few well-known drummers in the Premier League, actually. So let's get back to current then. Um, Hayley, who else do you have? Okay, I've got Carl Edwards because he... Um, was definitely singing when you're winning. Uh, the headline in the Express and Star West Brom's rap star Carl Edwards promotion party hit. Um, he's a dab hand when it comes to making music. Um, 
year, he actually released a song, Promotion Ting, to celebrate the Baggies' return to the Premier League. It was a quite... Really? Are you seriously doing this? (laughs) It was released on Spotify and iTunes. I thought you'd like this one because he's a Dudley-born star, isn't he, Lindsay? Uh, No, I don't like it when he's played for Albion, though, and got them promoted. But the biggest name in the Midlands in terms Mm. of... Musicians. What other um, musicians are famous from? I tell you what. Forget Carl Edwards. Um, I think I think he'd be a, a little bit of a, a backing singer, maybe. Yeah. But okay. Alison has got to be f- like the main lead man, but also yes. guitarist. Loves his rock music, doesn't he? And can sing. Can really hold a note. I think he'd be your front man. Yeah, I mean, guitar, yes, I totally agree with you. I did find a clip of him attempting a bit of Bradley Cooper from The Greatest Showman, and it was awful. His singing was was oh. not great in that instance, but I, I definitely put a guitar in his hand. Okay, keep him as a guitarist then. How about Alexis Sanchez on piano? Very accomplished player, apparently. His Welcome to Man United video, Hayley, you'll probably remember this, featured piano playing. And it was apparently definitely him. It was, you know, we'll, we'll try and hear a clip if we can. Um, but yeah, I, I also managed to find a clip of him on Facebook playing Richard Marks. I think it was right here waiting for you, you know, that massive big power ballad of the 90s. And um, so, yeah, he's he's definitely one uh, to tinkle the ivories for us. How about Jesse Rodriguez, former Real Madrid and PSG player? He, play, he played for Stoke for a bit, but he, he left PSG under a cloud of smoke after a sex scandal. But anyway, um, he uh, was part of a reggaeton band called JM. So his stage name is JM. The band's since disbanded. Um, but if we can, we'll try and play a little clip of this because actually it's pretty damn decent. <laughs> I'll throw in um, a rap option, some rap singers. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, he can rap. But my favourite, I think, was hearing Paul Pogba rapping in French. Oh, I love rapping in French, but like MC Solar. Mmm, delicious. Uh, do you have any samples? If you do. If you do, we will drop them in for listening pleasure. I think we should call time on this musical section now. I feel like we've got enough talent there. They might need a bit of help in the recording studio, a few extra extra instruments added in synthetically um but i feel like we're nearly there goodness knows what the song will be like but it's uh, probably better than most we've heard so far time to round off this podcast season with some any other business in the traditional form these are stories that may have gone under the radar a bit or you want to highlight Lindsay, what have you got for us well i'm surprised that this one didn't catch hayley mcqueen's attention because it's nearer your area and neck of the woods, Haley, than than mine and Kate's. Uh, Tom Cruise and his link to non-league football. They used a pitch at Woburn and Wavendon Football Club 
to land a helicopter on and to just take over for an afternoon at this football club. Um, and it was also when all the team were wanting to go back and train. So what he did was he signed loads of different shirts and they went up for auction. And it's also helped with the fact that people like me now are talking about it and it's raised quite a lot of awareness for Woburn and Wavendon Football Club. But yeah, Mission Impossible 7 was being filmed, so that will be hit now screens at some point but imagine tom cruise landing on your little local football pitch wow, wow. i mean you've, you're nearly there i do like the story actually the reason i haven't picked up on it is because it's a similarly spelt village or area mine is quite some hundred miles away um, but it's all right Linz. i'll let i'll let you off that's that is you're still nearer than kate and i you're still nearer yeah, than i us. am without disclosing the exact location of my residence and the recording from the West Wing right now, only kidding, in my cottage in the middle of nowhere. Um, Nero is actually really cool. I keep seeing these like vans and lorries and like double-decker buses um, all the time. And I'm pulling up to one of the little villages near me. And I'd realised when I'd driven past once, that there looked to be something slightly more than just the quarry there that you could just kind of go and visit near the Thames Water sort of area not really much to see and there were just all these weird little buildings and vans and trucks and upon doing a bit more research they've built a whole set for the star wars series in a village near me oh, how cool is that celebrity yeah. links Very someone good sent a indeed. drone over and took some pictures and it's it was oh it was all over the local news oh yes absolutely brilliant so i'm oh. hoping to bump into a few hollywood stars in the uh, local coffee shop and the bakery nearby maybe not tom <laughs> cruise but yeah well, I'm going to bring it back to the football now and thank Lindsay Hooper for bringing my attention to some very nice beers, some, some lovely pale ale released by Mundial. And they are Euro 96 inspired. Lindsay will know that Euro 96 is my favourite moment of all time. It's what really got me into football. And I love this. So you've got two different designs as far as I can see. One's called It's Coming Home, Ovs, with that, you know, in that sort of classic grey shirt colouring. And the next one's called Safe Hands, presumably Safe Hands Seaman. And, uh, uh, it's it's also in his sort of iconic 96 shirt, the one that looks a bit like an ice pop, loads of loads of crazy sort of strong colours going on. So absolutely brilliant. Check them out. There's a Pilsner and a Pale Ale. I'd like to give a final mention on the show, if I can, to Sol Bamba, because I did a feature with him recently. Him and his wife kindly let me into their home to sit down and talk to them about the year that he's had. He'd been diagnosed with cancer, um, found out about that on Christmas Eve um, and has been undergoing treatment ever since. But we've had in the last few days... The the, the news that he is now cancer free. What a way uh, to to finish this week and to finish this season knowing that news. And he'd made that appearance as well for Cardiff City against Rotherham coming on for about 15 seconds, but he got back out there at uh, yeah. the very last game of the season. So um, I just wanted to say a big congratulations to him. Well, that's it, ladies. Final pod of the season. Um, Lindsay, how are you going to be spending your off season, presumably trying to stay out of the car? Yeah, I'll try and get a few days break in. Uh, that's much needed. And just try and get my head around all the teams that are competing in the Euros and just swatting up on, on all the stats and, and facts about that again. So it'll be all taking off, won't it, with the Euros in, in less than two weeks. Yeah, and we've got the Olympics as well, haven't we? Team GB lining up for that in the women. So yeah, loads of exciting football stuff to keep us going this summer. We will be okay. Hayley, uh, what about you? I feel like I'm kind of not 
ready for it to end. But then I am excited <laughs> for the Euros. I know. And because I haven't watched as much football as I normally would like, because unfortunately I have another half who's just not into football and a baby who demands far too much of my attention. Um, yeah, it's been hard. So I'm actually really looking forward to next season and sort of giving it a little bit more. And I'll hopefully have a bit more of a schedule to sit down and be like, do you know what? Couple of beers, leave me alone. You guys go and play somewhere. I'm watching the football. So that's, that's, and I'm, I'm going to make sure that the Euros is done like that as a bit of a warm up so that my family know what to expect next season when I want to watch a bit more football. Thank you very much. And I don't have to sneak off to bed and watch it under the covers on Sky Go. <laughs> and Gareth Southgate announcing his sort of uh, initial squad has, it, it has definitely sparked something. I think we've all been relieved to get to the end of this season without any significant disruption because of course there, you know, have been times where, you know, squads have had, you know, a significant number testing positive for COVID. So it feels a bit of a relief that we've got to this point in the season. I think in the next few weeks, people are going to start to build up to those Euros, aren't they? And we're all going to get excited and um, anticipate what might be ahead. You'll be working on Sky Sports News throughout the Euros, I'm guessing. I will. Um, and I will be there making sure that we have pre-match and post-match um, programs. We've got a studio as well at Wembley, which will be quite exciting. Ooh. And we're going to go for a full uh, new look Sky Sports news for the month of the tournament. So instead of getting married on that first weekend, which <laughs> would have been the plan, I'll be in a studio. Wearing white, somewhere. maybe. <laughs> um, well for everyone who's listened this season thanks so much for joining thanks for listening us and thanks for letting us know how you're finding us as well and getting in touch with us via the socials at Offside Rule Pod you can continue to do that during the summer via Twitter and Insta the website as well there'll be content uh, going up around the Euros on the website offsiderulepodcast.com plenty to get stuck into there uh, until we speak again it's bye from myself Kate and Bye from Hayley and Lindsay. Hayley, we'll speak to you next season. Oh, see you all next season. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much indeed. And I'm normally the one to have the last word on this podcast, but today I'm going to give it to Lindsay. Well, thank you both ladies for keeping me company during lockdown and all sorts with this. Uh, thank you as well to the listeners for tuning in and we'll be back again next season. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.